home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, this week I was chatting with the station manager at CKHA FM, which I believe it is Canoe FM, mm-hmm. out in Halliburton County. Oh yeah, and Canoe's uh, come up many times. Yeah, we love the team at Canoe, and uh, I didn't realize this, but some of the people listening to us in Halliburton may have stuck around after the bingo. So I hope everyone did well in the bingo. Um, it's their most popular radio viewing, like, day of the week. Everyone loves the bingo in, in Halliburton. Is it like a blow-by-blow, blow, like a sportscaster? I would love to sit in and do a sportscast version of the bingo. But apparently, people are very serious about the bingo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a commercial station that wanted to also get in on the money and also do their own bingo. Okay. And they were like, ah, it's a F2, F2, and a, you know, what a Because I'm thinking, like, and... what kind of announcer do you want? Do you want, like, a horse races overexcited? Do you want a pro... You don't want an auctioneer. That would be terrible. No, no, no. The other is the pro wrestling uh, overexcited announcer. Mm. Uh, baseball tends to be just more chummy, like, oh, good evening. I would love... To guest host the Canoe FM's bingo uh-huh. with a drag queen. Okay. Specifically, um, who is that drag queen friend of ours who did the dirty bingo? Zelda Marshall and... I. She does a Mae West routine. How could I forget her name? I know, but absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I would love to guest host... And do a bingo. Yeah, with she, she's from the tradition of drag that's basically improv comedy. That's that's her style. She, she kind of does lip syncing, but it's mostly just improv comedy. It's more about the improv. Yeah, I'll see if we can set it up. Maybe there's a dirty bingo in our future. I think it'd be very entertaining. I just love the idea because you really what you would be doing is giving a blow-by-blow commentary on what's happening in the audience. Like, oh, Ethel in the back row, blowing on the... Treasure Troll's hair for good luck. Oh, there she is. <laughs> oh, somebody's up. Oh, nope. He's just going to the bathroom. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, we get excited about bingo as well. But uh, that's more for another day. Now, we are the Canada's most syndicated LGBTQ talk show. Uh, we cover spoken word, obviously, because we do a lot of speaking. But we cover the news and new things that are happening. Now... Not many Canadian stories this week, so I'm going to jump in and get it out of the way. Um, did you know, Sebastian? Did I know? That uh, that the Bingham Cup is coming to Ottawa in 2022. What is the Bingham Cup? You do not know what the Bingham Cup is. Is it a sports ball? It is a sports thing. Okay. Yeah. So some people may be familiar with the fact that there are gay rugby leagues. Oh, uh, yes, The Ottawa okay. Wolves is one of the most prominent ones. Yep, yep. Um, and essentially, it's just a space where they've decided to make their own team. Yeah. And yeah. it's very inclusive. And there is a gay rugby cup okay. called the Bingham Cup. It's been hosted in Australia a bunch of times because of, you know, the legacy of rugby there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is coming to the nation's capital in 2022 in August um, in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And the news story I wanted to talk about is the Vancouver Rogues, which is Vancouver's, you know, LGBTQ right. uh, rugby team, has just been started up or rebooted by Brennan Bastjevansky. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what Brennan realized was, you know, the the Rogues went, I think, from two thousand and six to maybe twenty twelve or twenty sixteen or around then. It didn't. Uh, it sort of petered out. Yeah. And he realized that 
there's no BC representation coming to Ottawa for this big, important cup. But that's not why he started the team. Right. Okay. In Vancouver, he goes to a whole... He's been in a whole bunch of these rugby clubs and find that there's just... There's a certain amount of people in these clubs who are making casual gay jokes, casual um, using gay slurs, and and it's not all of them. Okay. They're not all homophobic, but mm. nobody's speaking up. Nobody's mm. setting the tone for what's acceptable and not. Right, yeah. And, you know, there is a, a permission in the silence almost. And this is something that you and I have talked about off-air multiple times, that there is such thing as a gay joke told by someone who's not gay that is absolutely hilarious, but you really need to nail it. And yeah. having somebody just step in and be like, guys, that that was not on the list. <laughs> that was not one of the funny ones. Yeah. Like, but that doesn't hurt, for sure. Because Vancouver currently has no outlet for people who love hairy, beefy thighs. Yeah, where do you go if you want hairy, beefy thighs? Beefy, oh, that's a tongue twister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hairy, beefy thighs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in Vancouver. Actually, we're broadcasting a few stations in Vancouver, yeah. so maybe we just don't know. And maybe when, we don't know. And when the scrum breaks, the guy with the beefiest thighs goes straight for the one skinny guy who's really fast at running. That's. I think the hooker gets the prop. Is the is that the is that those the terms? In my mind, it's all about the butt to thigh to calf ratio. Yes, and then that's yes. that's. I don't know what the names of the roles are. I just know. Beefy butt, thin thighs, uh, chonky calves. Chonky. That's like, the guy who grabs the ball and runs with it. Mm, and then, You need to be thick with three Cs. Yes. That, well, no, that is if you're the guy who goes in the scrum and tries to knock people over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. what his role then is. You, I just Then know. you need thick with three Cs. And it's like it's like one to one to one. Like mm. massive booty, massive thighs, massive calves. But mm-hmm. like, I, I don't... We've been talking to these sports teams for many times. Yeah. And I, it's great to see the Vancouver Rogues coming back. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll have uh, enough people interested that it'll carry them through to the Bingham Cup yes. uh, next uh, August. I plan on covering it in person, hopefully, if I remember. Um, I have never seen you wax poetic about beefy thighs. We will be back just after this. To Friday night, tired of working overtime, heading home to a glass of Merlot when the tire had to go and blow. A kind soul and a red Dodge Ram said, Hey, do you need a hand? I know I could have changed that spare, but I swear I fell in love right there. I ain't no Cinderella.
Incredibly ch- talented ladylike out of uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, playing the song Princess Charming, great country track from this uh, uh, amazing band. They've done really well with Music Newfoundland's uh, awards, East Coast Music Awards, amazing. And uh, we also dovetailed that quite nicely into a track which some of our listeners probably recognize which is All Night by Brothers Osborne. Now, they aren't heralding from Newfoundland. Okay. Uh, they are a, an American band, and uh, we don't usually play American music uh, too much. But uh, I wanted to play them because the Brothers Osborne, two brothers, mm-hmm. and TJ Osborne, the lead singer of the Brothers Osborne, um, took his boyfriend at the time to the Country Music Awards. Right. And uh, when found out that he had won, kissed his boyfriend at the time um, at the Country Music Awards. Um, there's a great photo with Nicole Kidman sort of looking over their shoulder, clapping enthusiastically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I bring it up because we have talked a few times about how country music, of all of the musical genres... 
mm-hmm. is, you know, the most difficult to crack open as an openly gay artist. Yeah, it's really weird. So we've had we've had Drake Jensen on the show before, and he's a an openly gay country music uh, performer. And actually, also I've seen interviews with Dolly Parton where she said the same thing that the industry itself is not that homophobic behind closed doors but there's this perception that the audience is so they're tailoring it to what they believe the audience wants even though behind closed doors most people shrug and say they don't care Mm -hmm. but they're like but the marketing department says the audience won't react to it and i don't know how many times they've actually gone out and surveyed people who listen to country to be like would you be okay with somebody who is otherwise a perfectly fine artist but in their private time does stuff with other guys or other women because you know well i mean country music has been cracking that egg a little bit you know steve grand made a bit of a big uh splish splash katie lang in the 90s katie lang in the 90s and um yeah i mean they won the cma award for vocal duo yeah uh, the brothers osborne and um they don't make gay music it's not uh the the lyrics aren't particularly gay unlike princess charming which when it was they were talking about uh sorry ladylike when they were talking about (laughs) princess charming right yeah yeah. um where where it's quite clear it's quite evident that this is you know a love song with women and about women um but the fact that you know uh a country western band or a country rock or a country any kind of country yeah band. this is very new country is the brothers um, the fact that somebody with an openly gay member won an award does not surprise me because as i said there's a lot of people out there saying that behind closed doors they're i mean it was it was like hollywood in the 80s like mm. hollywood in the 80s famously was mostly run by gay men jewish men and up-and-coming women. There was a lot of them in Hollywood. Uh, the Oh, uh, what's her name who runs um, uh, Star Wars now? She was Kathleen Kennedy. She was huge mm. in the 80s. So there was a lot of that behind the scene, but there was this sort of misplaced assumption that the audience was exclusively heterosexual white men. And that was on, on behalf of them misunderstanding who was out there consuming their product. I so mean, we've seen that challenged over the last decade in oh, particular. Yeah. And now we end up with the Eternals, which barely has a white man in it. You know, I mean, it's mm. it's it's really moved quite significantly. Mm. And likewise, country music seems to be also getting with the times. I get the sense from the Brothers Osborne women uh, winning yeah. that it's like, okay, it's gay, cool. But we actually really like the song. We yeah. really like the music. And yeah. it's, it's more about recognizing his art than yeah, it yeah. is, you know, recognizing... His bug friend, for example. Yeah. Well, or or choosing to downplay that, or or not choosing him in order to avoid a conversation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Now we'll be playing a couple more country tracks uh, in today's episode as a bit of a homage to this uh, moment in time. Now, one of the things that I've been thinking about this week, microwave. The, well, I have been thinking about the microwave. <laughs> Um, ever since uh, Britain's Drag Race did the incredible hell of a day, did an incredible impersonation of Nig- Nigella Lawson. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not up on Drag Race, but there's a drag queen whose name is Hell of a Day. Hell of a Day. <laughs> it remains one of my favorite drag names, uh-huh. Hell of a Day. Um, but yes, she uh, she did an impersonation of Nigella Lawson, the British uh, sensual chef. Um One of the things I've been thinking about this week is uh, around the climate and um, our carbon footprint and our 
uh, impact and so on and so forth. Our radio show's impact is is quite small. Yeah, yes. um, we're in we're currently in my guest room, which has been decked out with foam padding to yeah. uh, to reduce the, uh, the the sound. Um, but the gay community, I think, has a bit of work to do on how to improve our environmental impacts. Mm. Now, let me preface that with the gay community is a lot of gay people who have day jobs that go and do things. Yeah, they're, they're like, they're not, they don't live and breathe every minute in a parade. But when we think about those moments when queer folks do gather, yeah. nightclubs, and in particular the Pride parades, mm-hmm. there are so much stuff, yeah. like detritus, that is created mm. as a result of these Pride parades. Yeah. And even in smaller communities, you often get like little pride picnics and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And all of which have a bit of an environmental impact. Now, a lot of that is corporate overlords who want to get in on the pink dollar. Just printing, 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 printing. Rainbow, 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 rainbow. With their bank name or corporate name or whatever, plus the city, yeah. plus the year on it. Which basically means that it is single use. And if you're, you know, a, a, a cynic... And, you know, I am a cynic for other reasons, but there's... Color me shocked. Right. But there's also, like, a huge anti-capitalist or at least anti-consumerist bend within the LGBTQI political scene. Um, Some of that's a stereotype and some of it is absolutely true. There are a lot of, like, socialists and communists, but even just a lot of anti-consumerists. So Pride London in the UK, just quickly interject, mm -hmm. um, they are having a huge pushback on the commercialization of London Pride. Okay. And it's a very serious, very organized effort to mm-hmm. pull the corporate sponsorships um, far down from where they are now to really minimize their, their visibility in the parade. But even though, like, you know, TD or the Bay will print 7,000 paper rainbow flags that oh, says... Inflatable t- balls with, like, yeah, that logo on it. TD Pride Ottawa 2021, a lot of people, the moment they see that, they say, no, thank you, which means that they print a whole bunch of this stuff that ends up going nowhere. Mm-hmm. So it's wasteful in the sense that they're creating stuff that nobody consumes. Uh, kind of nobody wants it. It's overly specific and it has one use and then you throw it away. Um, and then on the opposite end of that, because I was thinking, this is something that I, I realized when I lived in Japan. Like Japan does not have a middle shelf. Like you've got dollar stores and you've got like top of the line artisans. Bespoke. Bespoke, you know, some guy who lives in the countryside who carves a bamboo pen for you. Like, and there's there's very little in between the two. Uh, and let me tell you something, food is like that too. You've got like ramen shops and then you've got like Obasan's ramen shop where she makes the noodles by hand. Like there, there's no middle tier. And we definitely have that with Pride where you can get these like $60 bamboo and silk folding fans that are designed so that when you whip them open, they make a loud cracking noise. And they're going to last until you die. Well, they're going to last 15 years if you abuse yeah. it. But like... They're, they're built to last. They're made of renewable products. They're usually non-toxic. And, you know, yeah, you put out a little bit of money, but it, it lasts for ages and it's better for the environment. Maybe 60 bucks is a bit steep. Some of these things are more expensive than they need to be. Mm. But I think the issue is, like, I would like to see the bottom shelf just removed and everything moved to the middle shelf. So you got middle shelf, top shelf, no, you know, paper flags with bank, city, year, blah, blah, blah. And then you throw it out because there is that issue. Um, and a lot of pride festivals, they try to do their own marketing. They make their own swag to sell, partly to raise funds, partly because 
people want it. They want to collect pins. They want to collect uh, pride guides. They want to collect uh, the 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 calendar of events. You know. Yeah. So there there's a lot of that. Um, but so long as it's something that people actually want, like I don't know how many times you've been in a mall and somebody tries to hand you a piece of crap and and you're like, no, like, no, I don't, I don't want your random object. Yeah, like, and they're like, no, but it's free, and it's like I don't need th- that sticker thing that you put to the back of your phone so you don't drop your phone on your face when you're in bed. Mm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, the little round thingy. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a doorknob uh, or like a cupboard knob, I should mm-hmm. say. Uh, I I don't want that. And I certainly don't want that with your branding on it. Yes. And then they're offended that you don't want their free garbage. And, yeah. And yeah. this is a definite thing with, like, overconsumption, overproduction of, of just trash. Well, I think that happens a lot with the larger Pride. But I think that all Pride organizations right now mm. is when they are thinking about their planning for 2022. Yes. And with the pandemic slowing, Mm -hmm. becoming more of an endemic, a sort of manageable uh, process, um, these pride organizations are looking at 2022 being like, maybe we can reopen the floodgates in 2022. Yes. But I absolutely have to insist that when doing so, we look at it seriously. The vast majority of RuPaul's Drag Race queens in the US mm. live in San Francisco and New York or yeah. LA. Yeah. Why are we flying them into Toronto and, Winnip- and Winnipeg or Vancouver or whatever mm. the case may be? You know, why are we putting them on a jet plane with all of the... F- I realized that was a song. With all of the fuel consumption when there are local queens that may well have competed in RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. Yeah. And, and done really well, you know. I'd much rather see somebody local and, and save it. Or Crystal Caring. Um, Crystal Caring is the drag <laughs> queen that we need to get for the yeah. bingo. Thank you for that. Because I was is... actually thinking, uh, usually what happens is the local celebrities are the hosts. So Zelda Marshall and Crystal Caring will usually introduce the famous... Because uh, we've had Chris Edwards in the past. Chris Edwards being a, a very big name in drag in Toronto in the 90s and 2000s. And we, mm. We've had Chris Edwards on stage. And Chris Edwards does a raunchy comedy act. Uh, sort of prop comedy. Where, like, the fake boobs come out. But, like, Chris Edwards has also had, like, uh, uh, top surgery. Because Chris, uh, she's now trans. Mm. So, like, she'll pull out fake breasts. And then, like, her real breasts will pop out in, in the process. And it'll be like, oopsie. So, and then, like, gigantic merkin. Like, the size of an actual adult cat. Just bushing out and like playing with it and like but anyway um you 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 get the local celebrities to introduce them and you get the visiting people but like we don't live far from montreal we don't live far from toronto Mm. you know the east coast is they can be they can get on a train yeah you know what i mean and and i think that that's really what i i want to focus on if vancouver is pulling from seattle yeah okay fine that makes sense yeah that makes sense they're right next to each other yeah but i mean it's not just that, but like when we're looking at the beer gardens mm. and the events, why are they not using paper um, products instead of single-use plastic products? Yeah. Like every single element of running a, um, a major event such yeah. as Pride, they need to look critically at it. Like, are we making the best choices for our community? Mm-hmm. for the garbage cleanup afterwards. I don't know if you've been to a Pride Parade the morning after. I've it helped is clean horrific. up garbage afterwards. No, because I was a volunteer at Pride and, and everybody wants to be there for the planning and the glory and to get their name on stuff, but nobody wants to be there afterwards pick, picking up trash. Yeah. And I believed in the festival. I was there picking up trash. And let me tell you, 
it's not great. The number of people who can't walk the extra three steps to put something in a in a trash can. Is but just how much nasty. random stuff is being handed out in the parade route? Yeah, the people are then just holding things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's absolutely ridiculous. You know what got me thinking about it was actually I went to Stroked Eagle. And uh, mm-hmm. I bought my partner some socks because that's how exciting our relationship is. Okay. Um, but the bag was a paper bag. Okay, good. Yeah. And I was like, I appreciate that that even that small step from this local vendor mm-hmm. of having a paper bag because now I'm like, okay, cool. Shove it in the recycling. Was I it never like have to worry about it again. Unbleached brown paper. It was well? a brown paper bag okay. that they had stamped okay. with a logo on it, okay. and I am here for it. Right. Okay. You know, I am very much here for it. And the other thing, KFC impressed me because <laughs> okay. they everything everything from KFC came in in paper or cardboard. Yes. Yes. Like the bag all the way up. That's and been I was true like, for a while now. Yeah. I was like, yes. Often it'll be a waxed paper so that the grease doesn't soak through, but that's still. Less impactful on the environment than plastic. Yeah, is not for sure. not recyclable. These food so, food yeah. soil products, but um, the bag was the this yeah. was that was everything else was, and I mean, there, I don't think I don't think the gay community has really sat and gone, okay, how can we solve the environment crisis? Because they want to plan an amazing party, yeah. they want to satisfy the community, yeah. they want to satisfy their vendors. I think the biggest trick, though, is as we reopen, there's a new awareness of sanitation. So single use products is kind of the way forward but like with the, the the debate around straws like when people started replating plastic straws with paper straws and people started saying i would rather have no straw than a paper straw because they don't have a straw paper straws are just disgusting and awful and horrible um and then they started thinking wait why did we have straws all along because now like you know you have the coffee cup that has like the little like the sippy, sippy hole the yeah. sippy hole like the little baby sippy hole and like mm-hmm. that's all you need that's fine it's just you put the lid on it so it doesn't spill but then you need something so that you can get it into your mouth and you just put the little sippy thing and just integrate it into the lid yeah job done um little things like that like people are trying to get creative like the way we've been doing it all along has been kind of dumb mm. and just looking at it saying, what is this trying to achieve and can we achieve this by other means? And same thing with sanitation, same thing with a lot of the the branding. Like, can we make stuff that is reusable? Because yeah. I remember when I was on the Pride Committee, we were talking about selling swag and somebody came up with the idea of par- uh, rainbow parasols. And it's they're a great like, idea. They're like, well, we, we could never market it for less than $80. And there are other people be like, there are people who'd be, they would spend 200 on that stuff. You know, if it had like... Branding on it. It was or durable. If yeah. it was durable, if it was something worth keeping, yeah, absolutely people would keep that. Um, but th- again, that's the top shelf, middle shelf, no bottom shelf. Because mm. they're saying, you know, people who are struggling financially can't afford that. But then the answer is, if you're struggling financially, it's okay. Keep your money. Spend it on things that are important. Like, don't mm-hmm. spend your money on swag. Like, if you're struggling to pay your bills, pay your bills. It's okay. We, we can... You don't need to be. You don't. You don't need a parasol to be gay. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. Well, we'll also make little pins, and you can spend a dollar on a pin and put that on your jacket, and that's fine. Like, you, we don't want you to not participate. But if you got more important stuff to do, do the more important stuff. That's fine. So, and then you know, save the really good swag for the for the big spenders, and there will be big spenders. And if you make the swag good enough, people will. It'll become a collectible. A collectible. Imagine being the first place with a durable, high-quality rainbow parasol. I am. I am here for it. Now, what jumps out at me is that these big pride events are also um, 
that they're events that draw crowds. Oh yeah, you know the it, at uh, Toronto Pride, I think it was twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. Toronto City Centre has a population of about one point five million, but they estimated that one million people went to the Pride Parade. Yeah, they almost doubled their population. Yeah, they yeah. doubled the population of the actual downtown core, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And can you imagine the footprint of all of the travel mm. to get there? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that these pride organizations are now, in, you know, responsible for all of these emissions. <laughs> but what I'm thinking about is what decisions can they make that can actually mitigate it? You know, they have relationships with these vendors. They mm-hmm. can ask for, you know, merchandising and giveaways to be recyclable. Mm. You know, they can ask that food vendors provide disposable or compostable um, cutlery and plates. Yes. You know, there are certain decisions that are very much within the authority of pride organizers that can have a clear impact on the environmental outcome of that uh, I would say influence. I think authority might be a bit strong. Yeah. But, like, the the, the spirit is there. I agree with you. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's a matter of just thinking about this and, and putting this on the table as something worthy of consideration. As a priority, it, it is important. Yeah. For me, making sure that our environmental impact is sustainable is as important as making sure the community is effectively engaged. And if nothing else, if every time you have a parade, the the streets are just covered in filth, uh, you're not going to be everyone's best friend. Like, if you are the one parade that that city has that never leaves behind a flood of waste, they're going to be happy to bring you back. Yeah, and the community at large is going to be like, oh, wow, you know, the Pride Parade is so much more clean and tidy than mm-hmm. maybe the St. Patrick's Parade or whatever. Yeah. I'm only picking on another parade here. But it's about the legacy and the impact, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the not the homecoming, yeah, the homecoming events at like Queens and a few other places are notorious for, like, the devastation in its wake. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was actually thinking Nuit Blanche. Um, mm. Toronto has it, Montreal has it, Ottawa has it. I don't know what other cities in Canada have it, but it's, like, an arts event. And they tend to have a very tiny environmental impact. Like, they do hand out, like, flyers and guides, and, like, you go to an exhibit, and they have a thing that describes what it is. But it's also, like, do not take it if you don't want it. If, if you don't want to know the details, it's fine if you leave it alone. So, generally speaking, people only take the pamphlets and the guides if they're really genuinely interested. So actually remember, Nuit Blanche has a very small uh, uh, litter footprint. Mm. And I think maybe that kind of approach, like, there's a way to do it. There is a way to do it. Absolutely. Now, before we jump to our next song, I wanted to share a very short news story that made me cackle with joy. Okay. You are not a fan of musicals, are you, Sebastian? Uh... No, no, don't don't misframe it. I hate musical theater, but I do not mind musicals. If it's like a rock musical or a punk musical or a metal musical, I'm fine. I just don't like musical theater. Now, there is there's been a bunch of musicals that came out recently. We talked about it. Um The Prom came out. Um and that was uh that was a musical which had James Corden in it. Okay. Uh, Cats came out, which also had James Corden in it. Yeah. And uh, what, there was another one where he was. Uh, th- there was a Cinderella movie with. No, it was uh, Beauty and the Beast remake. No, no, wasn't that did it? not. That you keep insist. People keep insisting he was in that. He wasn't in. Beauty oh, he and wasn't. The Beast. Okay, okay. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't but there was the like the the Cinderella remake on um, Amazon Prime. Okay. Which also 
has James Corden in it. Is he cursed? Is that what people are saying? He is... And, and Into the Woods also had James Corden in it. Okay. He is, if there is a musical in Hollywood, I think he has, like, spidey senses. Uh-huh. And, and, like, insists on being there. Spider-woman senses? Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, they have announced that they are taking the Wicked book and subsequent musical uh-huh. and turning it into a movie. Okay. And they're casting for the Wicked movie. Now, the minute mm-hmm. they announced that they are casting for the Wicked movie... A change.org petition was started with the sole purpose of keeping James Corden out of this movie. So I I heard about it when 30,000 people mm-hmm. had signed up begging the producers not to cast James Corden in yet another musical. And the description on the change.org petition, I will read it word for word. Mm-hmm. James Corden, in no way, shape, or form, should be in or near the production of the Wicked movie. And then there's a whole bunch of space. That's pretty much it. Um, in the last week, it's gone from 30,000 to 89,000 oh people who are petitioning to keep James Corden out of the Wicked movie. Uh-huh. Now, in prom, I think he absolutely bombed. He played an exaggerated... Uh, and a, a caricature of a gay man okay. in his in his character in in the prom musical, mm. and I was not remotely impressed by his performance in Cats. Mind you, Cats left a. The yeah. movie's so bad that the guy who wrote it had to get a therapy dog to the, deal with the it. The movie's so bad, Andrew Lloyd Webber got a therapy dog to to oh. recover from it. But I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. I'm just thinking about like the. The musicals that I've seen that I would watch again, which is a very short list, tends to be a divided list. The cast is usually 50-50, actors who can sing and singers who can act. So I think about like The Wiz that had Donna Summer and Michael Jackson. And uh, there there was, um, I don't know, like, can, can they find the Jonas Brothers? Can they like a whole bunch of people who used to be big names in showbiz? They could easily get people like that. Olivia Newton-John was in Xanadu. Now, Xanadu was not a good movie. That's the kind of movie you get drunk and watch with friends and throw popcorn at the screen because they turn into laser beams when they when they go skating too fast. But it's it's a fun movie. But Olivia Newton-John was in it. She's a, a singer who can act, and they got other people who are actors who can sing. And and then I've made you watch the Village People movie. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. That... and they could neither act nor sing. <laughs> but still, like, it was... You got to split your cast between the two, and there's been a lot of musicals lately where they're just getting actors who can sing and you're not getting like Adele in there and you're not mm. getting I mean it's you got to do it 50-50 those are the successful ones in the past uh, I mean we watched Rocky Horror two weekends ago and that was 50-50 actors who can sing and singers who can act so like it, it's I don't know the, the the fact that James Corden keeps showing up everywhere in every single yeah, musical it yeah. is I'm expecting to see him in Dear Evan Hansen next like if you name a musical he's going to be in it yeah. and it doesn't make any sense yeah. I mean, it Olivia, doesn't make any sense Olivia Newton-John was in everything in the 70s but like she was raised on musicals she's mm. a talented singer she's a very good i mean i wouldn't call her an extremely good but a pretty good actress so like it made sense that she was in everything because that was her talent but like 
I don't, I don't know. Well, I am bemused by the fact that almost 90,000 people are begging to keep James Corden out of this film. Because he's cursed. I, he is, <laughs> I will also be signing the petition. I don't know if uh, anyone got a sense of that, but that's really where this is going. All right, we're jumping uh, to a track by Mariel Buckley. This is The Other Man um, from their album 97 Riverdale. Um, great track. We hope you enjoy it. This is The Other Man by Mario. You know he's not the one for you, but that's no fault of mine. He knows that I'm a friend of yours, doesn't know I've crossed the
Welcome back to Cancria, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. Hello, I am Sebastian. Welcome, Sebastian. And uh, like I said, that was a another great track by Marianne Buckley. Now, we as a gay show cannot do the disservice to our listeners and not oh. mention <laughs> yes. that Britney is free. Britney is free, yes. Britney is free. Um, this is huge. She's been under a conservatorship for like a bajillion years. Britney is liberated. Yeah. You, in in you, the literal sense yeah. that she now has her, her life and liberty about her. Well, yeah. I was thinking more like, it, it's not that you can go to Vegas and see her without paying. It, it's oh, not. she's not free as in like, of, of no charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's not gratis. Yeah. She's exactly. liberated, yes. Yes. <laughs> she has her liberty about her. Yes. Excellent. Um... I think it's really interesting. Some of the interviews and documentaries, we've, what we've been hearing from Britney Spears is now that this conservatorship, which was unbelievably abusive. It exposed a huge gaping void in the American legal system. And actually, a lot of other countries started looking at their own conservatorship systems, asking questions like, if someone can prove that they don't need it anymore, do they have a trapdoor to escape it? And a lot mm-hmm. of other countries are like, oh, we have the same problems they do. So it's it's exposed a huge issue kind of globally. And while the conservatorship of Britney Spears became unbelievably apparent, yeah. is that almost nobody was representing the will and the rights of, of her. Of the individual, it took yeah. so long for her to get a new lawyer. She had to like sneak out at night and smuggle phones yeah, to yeah. try and get a new lawyer. And when she did manage to convince a new lawyer to help, the judge threw it out because she didn't have the legal capacity to get a new lawyer, which is absolutely mind-boggling. And you kind of can't blame the judge because they're following following the letter of the law yeah Yeah. yeah. it's just badly designed in the u.s now that she is free though i'm willing to bet one of the first things she's going to do is sign the rights to make a movie out of this situation Mm -hmm. because she could not sign the rights over before but i some of the stories coming out of it like when they were deliberating the ruling there was a whiff on the breeze that she will probably have her conservatorship ending and apparently without really even asking her Antonio Versace just like emailed her or called her or something and was like by the way I'm designing your wedding dress yeah this is Versace of Versace fame of Versace <laughs> yes and yeah. just like by the way and and Brittany was just like oh that's nice cool thanks we had a, <laughs> we had a conversation off air about you know what would Brittany do next I honestly think Brittany's gonna take some time to enjoy her new life and liberty yeah and being able to drive her car without being supervised I did find an interview where she said she wants to take like a short break less than a year but longer than two months yeah of just like chilling out and decompressing living her darn life And, but we were talking about, you know, what kind of music will come next. Yeah. And what we've seen from people like Taylor Swift and um, Bjorn. No, isn't, was it Bjorn? No, it's Robin. Robin. Like, Robin is the best example because Robin was under the thumb of the studio. And as soon as she got out, her career exploded. Yeah. And also Kesha. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kesha. So Kesha, Robin, and um, I forget the first person I mentioned. And actually, Taylor Swift. we are denying, we're, we're forgetting the most epic example of all, which is the top-selling album almost of all time which is thriller michael jackson's first album after he came out under his father's thumb Mm -hmm. so there is this whole thing about like well britney spears has never been a songwriter she works with producers but now she can choose her producer and choose her direction i think so many amazingly talented people like john legend Mm. and so on 
are going to be clamoring to work with Britney, yeah. knowing that she has the freedom and creativity to make things pop. Like, the... Uh, it just occurred to me, like, the, the possibilities are endless. For all we know, she has secretly been, like, an experimental fan the whole time. Like, what if she yeah. works with she David... She comes out and puts out a bluegrass album? I'm gonna die. No, I'm no, I'm thinking, die. like, what if she works with David Byrne? What if she works with Tom York? What if she works with Bjork? Like, just... Mm-hmm. It's it's not impossible because she's never been able to express her own preferences on camera. We don't know. We know that she wants to make music and she wants to make slightly different music, but we don't know. It could be anything. It, it's it's very exciting to see where this amazing artist who has brought so many number ones yeah. um, is going to go next and where she's going to take the understanding of music. Like Billie Eilish, I felt helped to reinvent pop music when she released uh, Bad Guy. Mm. And there are moments in time where like, okay, wow, you know, when yeah. Adele first came out, bit of a sea change moment in, in the music that was of 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 the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited to see where Britney pushes us next. Yeah, yeah. With, with what she creates next. I think it's going to be quite exciting. I'm going to admit, I never used to like her until I saw one specific interview with her where somebody was interviewing her and asking her about her art and Britney just looked so confused and then finally she started laughing and she's like what are you talking about I'm not an artist I'm a singer I'm a dancer I'm an entertainer I'm a performer and she's like if you want an artist there are other people out there who make art mm-hmm. and that's when I realized that like Britney knew who and what she was she knows her lane she knows yeah. her lane yeah exactly and I actually respected her more for that realizing that she's like no I sing and dance and I do pop songs for dance clubs like i am if you want art tony mitchell is still alive <laughs> <laughs> please go phone up tony mitchell yeah and, and just her her self-awareness i is so refreshing because there's so many people with their head firmly up their own butts in the music industry mm-hmm. in hollywood and she was like no i'm not I'm, I'm an entertainer i'm a singer i'm a dancer i'm not an artist and she's very good at it yeah now the other last couple of stories before we wrap up for the day uh, the Simpsons in 2016 revealed that uh, in their kind of groundbreaking for the time coming out episode, Smithers mm-hmm. uh, came out as gay, although it's long been alluded to. Oh, yes. Um, but it was, uh, it's been there. But since 2016, which I think is what, six years ago now, um, in almost every episode, he's been portrayed as single. Okay. So he's, he's come out, but he's very much sort of sad and alone and pining after Mr. Burns. Mm-hmm. So the Simpsons have announced that in an upcoming episode called Portrait of a Lackey on Fire, um, okay. he's going to have a romance with the billionaire fashion mogul Michael DeGraff. So I'm excited to see what it is. At time of recording, it's not out yet. Okay. But uh, our listeners may have caught it. I think you can catch the episodes up on Disney Plus if you have it. Um, but I will be keeping an eye out to see um, how the Smithers and the fashion billionaire um, move on. We talked a little bit before about the Australian soccer player Josh Cavallo, okay. who was the first premier level soccer player to come out as gay. Mm-hmm. He has been hounded by the press, asking every question every which way since then. Um, what we know since then is that he has spoken to some premier level footballers who are gay but not out. Right. Um, and potentially we might see some more have the strength and courage to, to follow Josh. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he's also said that's quite interesting is that he is scared, I think is the word he used, about going to Saudi Arabia 
to play at the FIFA World Championship. Mm, and I think yeah. that that really, you know, circles back to the fact that, you know, Saudi Arabia, which is, first of all, a very hot climate to be running around doing the sports. Yes. Um, but on top of that, it does have these incredibly anti-gay laws. Mm-hmm. And I think he raises a good question. Like, he is now the only openly gay football player. And yeah. he's going to a country where doing anything about it yeah, yeah. Uh, is illegal. So, yeah, he's understandably a little uh, concerned. Now, the last story I'm going to share is about a woman in uh, Ireland who had an interesting conversation with a gynecologist. And uh, I'll read the tweet here from uh, Rachel. I can't believe that today a gynecologist told me that a hysterectomy wouldn't be considered as an option for my debilitating period pain on the off chance that I divorce my wife, my sexual orientation changes, and I meet a man and then decide to have children. So this 27-year-old who's been in pain for 10 years, who is married to a woman Mm -hmm. and is very much a lesbian, Mm -hmm. uh, has been told by a gynecologist, well, on the off chance that you have a massive personality and sexuality change. I've actually heard a similar story out of Australia of a woman who went to... Well, she had... Again, she had a, a, a... ovarian cysts that were so bad that she basically couldn't function. She said her average menstrual flow was about a half liter over a month. So it basically counted as like blood loss. And she was constantly anemic. She couldn't live her life. So in the end, what she did is she went to a gender reassignment clinic and said she was trans. They gave her testosterone, which she didn't take. And then after six months of pretending to take testosterone, they gave her a radical hysterectomy just like that. So she was like, why the women's health is so far behind it, it, it's this weird thing that's happening well the rachel apparently had um, cysts on her ovaries and uh, signs of uh, endometriosis and and other things that's been in severe pain for years yeah but the idea that this doctor is like well you know you could suddenly change sexuality yes. divorce your wife yeah and you know want children now, as it happens, I'm actually very supportive of the idea of medical counseling before major surgeries. And th- th- there was a thing where, like, you had to get medical counseling before getting, like, a nose job. Because a lot of people underestimate how many people get regret out of that. So I, I support the fact that you should have a conversation with your doctor before you get a major surgery. But that conversation should be about discussing consequences, not about them telling you that you're wrong. Yeah. And, and well, you're wrong to want to do it. It should be, you know, these are the informed consent. You know, exactly. This, these are the consequences. This is how often people are unhappy with it. This is how often people are happy with it. This is how it's going to affect your life. These are the drugs you're going to have to take now that you don't have ovaries anymore. Like there, there's, there's a conversation there and the individual should be able to say, you know, you're right. That doesn't sound like it's worth it. Or it is worth it for me individually. Like I, I fully support medical counseling before major interventions, but in the form of informed consent, not in the form of no, you're wrong. Like it's well, I mean, you've had your struggle with doctors. I think you're you're two steps away from being a werewolf. I think it is with lupus or something. <laughs> um, but like this, Rachel has been speaking to many doctors yeah. and, and gynecologists and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. and then she finally settled on look this seems to be the only option left Mm. and this is what I want to take. And the National Health Service says, look, you know, it's only for these circumstances and there has been a decision regarding children Mm because, you know, quite difficult to undo that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Anyways, 
uh, hopefully she got a better gynecologist who wasn't expecting a massive personality shift mm-hmm. in the next two to five years. All right, we're playing out with um, a new kind of outlaw from uh, Doge and the Singing Shaman's Band. I love this group. I think we played this song about a year or two ago. Um, this is uh, a great track, the last country track we're playing in today's show. I have been Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And thank you for listening. I'm a new kind of outlaw. Can you see past the burden boys? Cause I'm a new kind of outlaw. I am wearing no daisy dukes. My fro's to the roof. And I ain't here to look cute. I'm a new kind of outlaw. So no mainstream radio. When you're a new kind of outlaw. Country music, what you gonna Standards for our girl Mickey Only just too big is an outlaw